around here. Captain! Signatures detected. Shields up. Signatures detected. Context Southfleet Command. What's happening? Context Southfleet Command. Delay that order. Context Southfleet Command. This is the captain. Context Southfleet Command. Get out of my chair. Chair, 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 chair. We have engaged the Klingons. Klingons. Welcome to The Greatest Discovery, a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of The Greatest Generation, where we discuss all of the new Star Trek, Discovery, Picard, Lower Decks, Short Treks, comic books. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. It's fun going back into the comic books. Yeah. Go. Uh, you go to your comic shop, you ask for what's been saved in your pull shelf, they say, are you here because J.K. Woodward drew you into another comic? And you're like, well, he did, but I'm not here for that. Yeah. There are more reasons to buy comic books than just buying comic books because you're in them. Yeah, Most people yeah. don't have that luxury. We've got to check our being in a comic book privilege. Yeah. Yeah, even though the majority of my poll issues are ones featuring me. <laughs> There's there's all those Twin Peaks comics. There's all the J.K. Woodward's. You're just saying you look like Kyle McLaughlin. Right. That's what I'm, you, you just work that in. The when Dune it, comics? <laughs> that's got Kyle McLaughlin in it. You are the guy who's going to CrossFit now of saying that you look a little bit like Kyle McLaughlin. I used to resent it, and now I embrace it. Because <laughs> Kyle McLaughlin's a good-looking man. There was a time in my life where I would get compared to celebrities, but it ended a long time ago. Well, uh, you know the rule, Ben. You should never compare anyone to any celebrity if you think it's a compliment. It probably isn't. And I'm glad that that's tapered off for you. The only uh, celebrities it's okay to compare somebody's looks to are some are people who are famous for being good looking, right? right. That's the, the Jordan Jesse Go edict. Well, I'm not going to tell you who I think you look like, but... I think it's pretty obvious who it is. Well, now I'm dying to know. <laughs> it's a beloved half-hour comedy veteran, John Mahoney. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, I recently learned some rather surprising news about John Mahoney. <laughs> uh uh, shout out to our to our great great friends in Washington D.C. Uh, our our friends of Desoto out there for hipping us to that biz- bit of business. I mean, I, I'm not quite as gray as John Mahoney, but in all, every other way, I think I resemble him. Yeah, I'm certainly as cantankerous as he is. Oh yeah, beloved friendship with a furry friend. You know, the highest compliment you can pay me is telling is telling me I look like my dog. Oh yeah, and your dog's people, great looking. People tell me that all the time. They say like, "You guys look like you're you're you belong together." Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't know how to take that. That that sounds a little cutting. No, it's very flattering. I mean, it's aspirational uh, even. Your your dog looks like Meg Ryan to me. I don't know if that means I have some sort of <laughs> brain trauma or not, but I just can't get Meg Ryan out of my head when I see Darwin. <laughs> I would say that your dog has a lot more Meg Ryan going on than mine. Sprocket's got Meg Ryan hair. Yeah, I guess so. I recently got a toilet seat that shoots things at you. You're getting your butt blasted? The uh, the the paper consumption in my household has gone way down, and the corresponding line in the graph for water consumption, <laughs> way, way up. Yeah, and uh, I like it. It's a delight. I, I wish... I could pack it up and bring it with me when we go out on tour. It is something I really miss. I was I was for sure missing it on our most recent tour stop. Um, That's why I just start buying a lot of bottled water. I just I just squeeze the bottle into myself. <laughs> our next tour stop, as of the release of this episode, I won't have to take it anywhere because our next tour stop is in. L.A., my hometown. Oh, that's right. You know what that means. I can go over to your house and use your bidet toilet seat anytime I want. You can. Anytime. <laughs> Just keep it going until the water goes cold. Hey, I really hope the uh, friends of DeSoto from the Southland area, Los Angeles and Environs, come out in a big way for this show. 
I hope so too. It would be sad to never do a show in LA again. And those are the stakes. That would be sad. Yeah. It's going to be a great show. I think it's a great show. It kills me every time. It's kind of, we kind of work it like a stand-up act where we where we have uh, a plan going in and we do quite a bit of improv within that plan. But um, I didn't know if we could top last year's show, and I, I dare say we may have done it. It feels topped. I think it, it makes the last show feel like a real bottom. Mm. <laughs> Compared to... Yeah. Uh, I mean a power bottom, but a bottom. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Greatest Gen Con 2, Star Trek 3, really, really putting one over on the last tour. And, and the last tour wasn't any slouch, I'll tell you yeah. that much. It's Wednesday night uh, at the Regent Theater in downtown Los Angeles. Get your tickets at greatestgentour.com. Yeah, what time is it? It's like 8? We'll get you back home in bed before midnight, easily. Yeah. You're going to be in bed by bedtime. Give me a break. The weeknights aren't a thing in LA. It's the city that never sleeps. Yeah, that's what they say about it. The windy city that never sleeps. The city of windy shoulders. Los Angeles, California. City of windy fire. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. Maybe yeah. maybe the show will get canceled for fire. <laughs> Hope not. DTLA is usually not where the... Uh, where the evac orders are being handed down. But I uh, I happen to have a person who lives in my house with a role in the safety of the city of Los Angeles. So I'll, I'll put in a good word for us, make sure that we don't get evacuated. Hey, check it out. You go to the show on Wednesday. It's the jokes that are going to be hot. Too hot. Yeah, the fire marshal's going to come in and tell us, keep it down with those jokes or put a, a mesh containment device around them. We're worried they're going to blow off and catch something on fire. PG&E is going to shut down the power to the Regent Theater just to be PG on the safe &E side. PG&E is Northern California, Adam. Yeah? You just showed your ass. We have uh, the Department of Water and Power down here. I showed my power ass? Yeah. Well, uh, thank you for pedantically correcting me. <laughs> it's the star power up to any bit of comedy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I just, you know, we're trying to convince the Angelinos to come out to our show and they're not going to put up with, you know, it being implied that they're under the thumb of the Pacific Gas and Electric Corporation. What is the main thing that Angelinos like that would attract them to our show? I don't know, like Nashville hot chicken or something? <laughs> is that it? They do stand in line for a lot of food things. Huh. Maybe we do a quick rebrand into something food-related, mm. change our name to Greatest Hot Chicken. Right. Make that the sign. We've done a show to a uh, a misnamed sign before. We can do it again. <laughs> That's true. The theater in D.C. did not put the correct name of the podcast. Didn't change our show a bit. Yeah. You showed me a picture of that. Somebody posted on Twitter. A picture of the marquee having Next Generation podcast on it. And it did not register for me. I looked at it and I was like, what's wrong with this? I cannot see anything wrong with this. <laughs> marquee de sad. That's what it made me feel. Oh, man. <laughs> let's uh, let's review this comic book so we can get this show over so that you don't do that too many more times before the day is over. <laughs> And that's the kind of comedy you can look forward to this Wednesday, Los Angeles. <laughs> uh, one thing we won't be talking about whatsoever at our live show are comic books. But that's mm. all we're going to talk about today on today's Greatest Discovery as we discuss the first two of a planned four comic books that exist in the liminal space between uh, the end of season two of Star Trek Discovery and what will be the beginning of season three. And that comic book series is called Aftermath. I kind of think that the timeline, at least as far as I can tell in here, is end of the uh, encounter with the control uh, fleet but before that little button where clean shaven Spock comes onto the bridge of the entrepreneur. Oh yeah, that makes sense. Because we do, like this is Beardo Spock and yeah. it kind of makes the, it, it implies that quite a lot happened in between 
Beardo Spock and clean-shaven Spock that we didn't see. Yeah, that's exactly right. It exists inside the season finale of season two of Star Trek Discovery. Yeah. So uh, we start out on uh, Kronos, and it's Cole and Kor hanging out. And, you know, they have the same political complaints that a lot of us do these days, which is like the leader of our nation was installed by a hostile foreign enemy and, you know, is constantly selling us out like quid pro quo every time she gets on the phone with Pike. It's just it's just a mess. And we'd like to we'd like to get a process in place for removing her. Yeah, it looks like they're kind of walking through a little bit of a, a Kronos farmer's market <laughs> scene here. It seems nice. Yeah. yeah, which is a farmer's market is a great place to go to talk about how much you hate the president. <laughs> it's just table after table of, of you got your gach, got your pickled gach, mm-hmm. got your heirloom gach. It's Willie Nelson's poo that gives it that glow. All the gachs. And this gach is local. <laughs> But it's all so expensive. Yeah. We're not labeling it organic because we feel that that has been so diluted that it would actually insult this food to call it organic because it's so much, it's so far past the standards set by the USDA. I think this comic starts right away uh, establishing just how good the artists are going to be at drawing faces. I really like these Klingon faces we're seeing right away. Yeah, they're good. The art in this comic is by Tony Shastine, and I really like how these Klingons look, especially uh, especially young Kor. Really- Kor has uh, quite a bit more and longer hair than a lot of the disco Klingons, and uh, less volume than Worf. Like, he's got kind of Worf-style uh, cut, but but it falls much flatter on his head. Yeah, he's kind of doing the junior high school butt cut, but with the shoulder-length hair. (laughs) What's wrong with that? Nothing. We all went to junior high school. It's just a description, man. We didn't didn't have good hair in junior high school. Who did? We didn't have good anything. In some places, I didn't have any hair at all. My dick was yanking in uh, junior high school. (laughs) That was the only thing I had that was good. But nobody knew it. So, father and son agree that uh, shit is fucked, and someone's got to do something about it. And then we cut almost directly to Laurel uh, taking in a FaceTime from Captain Pike, who, in the time span between the end of the battle versus control and what we see in the very last scene of that episode, uh, appears to be dipping into the just for men. He, uh... His hair looks a lot darker than I remember. I mean, there's gray in it, but it's it kind of looks like kind of looks in the illustrations like it's just meant to be shiny. Yeah, not not that it's like salt and pepper the way the way Pike is. It's I, I feel like that's a hard a hard needle to thread when you're doing an illustration of someone. One thing they really nailed here, I think, when when drawing friend of the podcast Anton Mount is that smirk. They really, uh, they really give him that in a lot of the frames. He's looking yeah. great. He's got that Anson Mount smirk. I feel like those first two pictures of him are not that good, but then the second two are uh, really nail something about him. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, Laurel is uh, talking to Pike about the uh, idea of some peace talks. Starfleet fucking loves getting in peace talks with the Klingons. Yeah, and they both are pretty self-aware about the, like, it's good on the one hand to have this kind of red phone back channel communication between them. But on the other hand, they're in agreement that if anyone knew they were secretly talking, it would mean bad things. Yeah, and and like le- the comic does not let us forget that Laurel's political ascendancy was part of the Takuvma movement. And Takuvma was all about the Federation, you know, the the way the Federation interacts with alien cultures is inherently dangerous to the Klingon lifestyle because Klingons are not about diplomacy. So just engaging with the Federation on the level of diplomacy is already like kind of a negation of what Klingons are all about. 
Pike is kind of treating this whole situation like a marriage, right? If you stop trying, shit is going to backslide into bad times. And that is why he's constantly on the horn with Laurel. He's sensing that to ignore opportunities for diplomacy here is going to mean that things are only going to get worse between the two races. Right. He's doing that early in our relationship smothering where he, he, he can't leave well enough alone and just let things th- take their course. He's like, I want to call and be in your presence all the time because I'm worried that if I'm not, you'll think of reasons to leave me. Yeah, Laurel doesn't seem like the type that's going to take too kindly to that. <laughs> if you love Laurel, you got to let her go. Open up your hands and let it fly away till the day it comes back. And you know, it was meant to be. That's right. We get a fun flashback to young Spock uh, walking in the sepia deserts of Vulcan, getting bullied by some very goth Vulcans. Mm, a kind of bullying that harkens back to the first J.J. Abrams Star Trek film. Yeah. In a lot of ways. He's, uh, he's reciting some uh, Alice in Wonderland stuff to himself and uh, gets in a shoving match with some kids who don't like that he is speaking the the tongue of the human. You want to talk about the accuracy of a caricature. Uh, the drawing of young Spock here, I think, is a really good one and matches up quite nicely with what we know from the television show. Yeah, absolutely. The like side bangs that one of these kids has is are pretty intense. You don't think that's <laughs> just a, a, a overgrown sideburn? No, because like, cause like this kid is like asymmetrical hair. Yeah. It's like a Cameron Esposito thing where right. one side it's a, a fairly normal sideburn and on the other side it's it's very jaunty. It comes down like a bird wing. It's, it's business on the side, party on the other side. Yeah. And, uh, and we get a lot of, we get a lot of looks at this because Michael Burnham comes out of the dusty brush and Vulcan nerve pinches this kid, knocks him out. The rest of the bad Vulcans are shocked that she knows the pinch. Yeah. That is like capital T, capital P. Kids aren't supposed to know the pinch. And I think yeah. I, I know the reason why. It's because when you become of a jackable age, <laughs> like you couldn't help but try that out on your dick, right? Man. That's the ultimate stranger, isn't it? You Vulcan nerve pinch your dong? Yeah. Uh, That's got to be a thing. I went to a summer camp one year when I was, I don't know, 12 or 13 years old, I want to say, in Okanagan, Canada. It was an ice hockey summer camp, and the idea was that I would get better at ice hockey so I wouldn't be so bad at ice hockey when I went back for the, you know, the season that winter. Um, And there were kids there that, there was like a, a group of kids there that were into forcing each other to pass out. And these were all kids like around my age at the time, so 12 and 13-year-olds, and they, they would have a kid like put their back against a wall and somebody would hold both hands against their neck until the kid passed out. Whoa. And then woke back up. <laughs> I watched this happen two dozen times over the course of two weeks of sleepaway camp and was invited to participate as a uh, a pass-out-y <laughs> uh, a couple of times and declined. Yeah, you you prefer a belt and a door. That's yeah, that's yeah. how you like to do I'd, it. I'd like to be in private when I <laughs> when I restrict my airway. A belt, a door, and a clown mask. That's <laughs> that's how Ben likes it. Yeah, I just I want to be in a Southeast Asian hotel room, <laughs> and uh, I want my epitaph to read a lot like David Carradine's. Probably wouldn't surprise you at all to know that I I have such a white knuckle amount of self control that uh, I've never passed out even while drunk. I I can't remember ever doing it. I passed out one time uh, when I was a kid because I had low blood pressure and I got up too quickly Whoa. after I was like reading on a bed and you know got up to you know answer the the dinner bell. And then, like, woke up face down in a hallway. Whoa. I went down in a controlled way. Like, I could tell that I was losing consciousness for long enough to arrange for it. But, and, like, thinking about those kids in that dirtbag summer camp, like, it is just a fucking miracle that none of them got killed. 
I, I wonder if the if the Vulcan nerve pinch is lethal like one percent of the time. <laughs> Hockey kids are tough, man. I bet they don't even cancel the season if one of them dies. You skate through that shit. There was a kid at that camp named Ray Bob. First name Ray, last name Bob. I will never forget that. <laughs> That's a great name. That's one of the best names. I'm envious. You think that guy needs to spell out every letter when he when he talks to the bank on the phone? No way. Person on the other line knows how to spell Ray Bob. I yeah. envy that. Think about all the forms you've had to fill out in your life. I mean, you have kind of a medium name. I have a pretty long name, Benjamin Harrison. There's yeah. a lot of letters. There's a lot of letters. Ray Bob, he's got six letters. Ray Bob, it's a great name. Fuck. Think of if he had died at a at some hockey camp choking accident. <laughs> like how big you could make his name on the tombstone. Oh yeah, like RSVP Ray Bob. <laughs> big 200 point letters, R-A-Y-B-O-B. Great. 1982 through <laughs> 1994. Uh, RSVP Ray Bob. Yeah. Well, the comic does that thing where it cuts from young Spock to modern Spock, and he's still thinking about Michael Burnham inside the Katra chamber. I liked how his head was kind of at the same angle from young to old cut. Yeah. That was nice. Yeah, uh, it is in the Katra chamber that Amanda visits him uh, and invites him back home. He, it's a place he doesn't want to go because uh, of the possibility that Sarek might be there. Yeah, she says, uh, Sarek's away on business. You don't have to keep renting that scummy Airbnb downtown. Yeah, the sheets inside the Katra tomb uh, look like they haven't been done in quite a while. <laughs> It's the yeah. sort of Airbnb where you want to bring your own pillowcase. Yeah. Lest you turn a t-shirt inside out and use that as a pillowcase. Yeah. It's been done. It's been done by me. It's, I know. It's one of the great Benjamin R. Harrison Airbnb tricks. <laughs> I should just assume that all of my stories I have told you at this point. You know what? You continue to surprise me <laughs> almost weekly. So he goes back home with... Amanda, and he is trying to refuse her gift of a Through the Looking Glass first edition. And uh, she explains, uh, you know, Michael Burnham took Alice's Adventures in Wonderland when uh, when she left, but, uh, but I want you to have this as a keepsake. And this is kind of in the context of him having sort of it's, I don't know if it's quite prayer, but he's sort of talking to Michael in a prayer-like way in the Katra cave, uh, saying, like, I, I need your guidance now more than ever. Like, like we, we reconciled, and now you're, you've been separated from me in this permanent way, and, uh, and I really miss, like, your counsel. And so I kind of think that this book is going to come into play in some way over the course of this comic. It's such a weird thing to think about for Spock. Like his sister to him is 900 years old. Like it doesn't matter that she has skipped forward in time. Like that is her age, right? Whoa. Because your age is your relationship to the time that you're in. Jesus Christ. This totally sounds like some really great weed. But... (laughs) 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 <laughs> but I wonder if there if there's like an inherent spirituality to how he thinks of his sister as it relates to her relationship to time, right? Because in a strange way, she will have known everything about his life, even everything that is to come for him, right? Yeah. Because she'll be looking back. That's such a strange thing. And like, what is more godlike than the omnipotence of someone who has that kind of information. How, like, I feel like you would start, like, keeping your diary by, like, chiseling it into stone. Just, you know, like, I want this to last long enough so my sister can get a load of it It would really change your relationship to how you live your life. It has to. Captain's log. Chisel, 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 (laughs) chisel. (laughs) Yeah, and it sure seems like the Katra cave would be 
the spot to keep all that stuff. I just recovered from having uh, implanted my Katra in Bones McCoy for a while while I regenerated on the Genesis planet. Chisel, 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 chisel. Shit's been pretty messed up since you left. Chisel, chisel, chisel. <laughs> the kids at Vulcan Hockey Camp have been cruel. <laughs> However, I was able to outlast their little choking game. <laughs> the most goth Vulcan died. Just, Fuck just, that just, guy. Just, just. <laughs> Doesn't it just sound like one of those things where you like read about it in the newspaper? Like yeah. three kids at a camp died over the weekend? It sounds like a, a local news report made up to scare parents. Like Totally. Like the rainbow game. Yeah. Anyways, uh, Laurel addresses the uh, the Klingon High Council in a way that is very familiar to people who have seen season two of Disco. I feel like if I'm in one of the, the families that attends Laurel's presentations to the council, mm-hmm. uh, I would like look at her hands first. Like, is she going <laughs> to throw another baby into the fire? Because the last time we saw her here, things got way out of hand. This is her greatest Gen Con too, you know. Like the uh, the Brando bit in in Greatest Gen Con is throwing a dead baby's head into the fire. Yeah. Like, how is she gonna top that? <laughs> There's no way. No. I'm not even gonna bother buying a ticket. Yeah, there really isn't. I'll uh, I'll just join the WebEx for this one. <laughs> also. Uh, like, how do you think the conversation went on Kronos when they're like, hey, so we're uh, we're going to be building like kind of a new municipal building. And this is where the uh, the high council, like the chancellor of the Klingon Empire and all of the uh, representatives of great houses will meet. Uh, we're thinking about building it over a fissure of lava. <laughs> Uh, hey, I just have an idea. What if it was instead an air-conditioned room? Now, when you're building your high council chambers, <laughs> you want to keep in mind the natural features of your environment. We're taking advantage of geothermal pockets of energy in the crust of the planet <laughs> to warm this otherwise frigid chamber. It's a heat sauce that'll warm your home as well as cremate all your dead babies. <laughs> Never again will your meeting chamber be compared to the frigid steeps of Borath. <laughs> that was Tom Silva mispronouncing it, not me. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you throw Tom Silva under the bus? Silva Brothers Construction. Excellent construction, terrible pronunciation. <laughs> Laurel seems to have a great amount of insight. She recognizes that for all of the drama that she brings to her position. Uh, She is not well-liked and, in fact, hated by some. Uh, She recognizes that she's in some danger for even considering diplomacy with the Federation. Yeah, but I like that... uh, I like the way that she kind of scolds her political opponents. Like, I hear your objections and chide you for your fear is such a... That's such a baller leadership move. Like, your objections come from a place of fear, not from a place of of leadership. She does that thing where, uh, I, you and I have said this all the time, we'll take any meeting. She She's yeah. like, it would be unwise for me to just turn this opportunity down. I'm going to see what they want to say. Yeah, it's the Jackie Cation rule of uh, never say no without a number. Right. I, look, you can always say no at the meeting. Yeah. My appearance fee is $10,000. Right. And if you are prepared to pay that, I am happy to do whatever. Maybe the Federation just wants to give her a bunch of new babies. <laughs> Maybe that's your price. She ran out of babies. Yeah. On Vulcan, uh, Spock and uh, and his mom hear a spaceship outside and- uh, Daddy's home. Yeah, they interpret it as being Sarek arriving unexpectedly, and when Amanda goes to open the door, it is in fact Captain Pike, who is asking Beardo Spock to accompany him on on a mission. I think it's in these pages that Pike looks his most Chekhovian. Mm. He's got a little bit of Chekhov face and that big, that big hair of a Chekhov, you know? Yeah. 
Yeah, a lot of volume. Do you um, think there's any part of Amanda that's attracted to Pike? Amanda's spoken for, Adam. I know, but uh, I mean, doesn't hurt to look. Vulcans practice monogamy. Yeah. And while Amanda might not, <laughs> she may have made an agreement. A, uh, you must be this tall to ride this ride. Price of admission style concession. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty pretty clear that Pike doesn't know how to neck pinch that ass. <laughs> she would just be immediately dissatisfied. So Spock and Pike go for a walk, and I really liked the uh, the fact that they just copy-pasted the exterior <laughs> backdrop from the earlier scene. I thought it, the it, same thing. It's so TOS yeah. that, that it's just like the same place. Yep. Yeah, it's, it might as well be Vasquez Rocks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, really funny. Yeah. Um, Pike is basically saying like, hey, Spock, I know you've got plenty of time left on your on your voluntary leave, but um, just like, first of all, a heads up, the bean pushers back at uh, Starfleet HQ uh, are going to start looking at... <laughs> filling your seat permanently on the entrepreneur. I, I want to be known if I'm if I'm in accounting or administration, I want to be known as a bean pusher. <laughs> what the fuck was that? Fuck you. Bean counter. They God had, damn it. The old, uh, the old bean flickers over at uh, Federation HQ. <laughs> the old bean jockeys in San Francisco uh-huh. made some determinations. And uh, Don't you dare call me a bean flicker. <laughs> I wouldn't know what to do with what. I exclusively flick bratwurst sausages. You <laughs> uh, convince this back to go on a mission with him uh, to these uh, to these peace talks with the Klingons in in an unofficial capacity. This was pre. Beard shave. This is pre-putting yeah. the uniform back on. Yeah. No need to do any grooming you're uncomfortable with. No need to take a shower. Just wear the clothes you have on your back. And he agrees to it. He agrees to it so fast that, like, we are already on the ship and number one is saying she's glad he didn't shave his beard off. I wonder how much of this is just due to Spock being bored. I think he's just up for whatever at this point. He's like, you're saying this is a yeah. low stakes operation and I don't really need to be there in an official capacity? Why not? It would be logical yeah. to take this this assignment. My, my mom keeps trying to make me read children's books back at home. Like, staying with her is, is starting to be a bit of a bummer. <laughs> As a grown man, you know. <laughs> I'm a grown ass man, Amanda. <laughs> so we have a uh, a scene of, uh, of core getting into some turtle fight style Klingon exercise practice but it's not a hologram it's a real guy who he very nearly kills with his batleth I thought it was interesting that this was a very TNG style batleth yeah sure is the uh, the batleths in disco are are a pretty different design but this one is would be very recognizable on Worf's wall I mean, I don't know how much this comes into play when making such a decision, but boy, oh boy, it's got to be a lot easier to draw this style Batleth than the more ornate version that we get in a disco, you know? Yeah, maybe so. That said, I think uh, he looks very Worfy to yeah. me. Yeah, we rarely see Worf with his shirt off, though, the way Core is. Yeah, this, Worf, this guy's shredded. Yeah. yeah, he's very very comfortable with a shirt off in a way I have no idea about. Uh, Laurel arrives to recruit him as her personal bodyguard in a kind of keep your enemies closer philosophy for this trip to the Klingon Federation summit on Vasset. Yeah, she says uh, she is well aware of all the all of the uh, treasonous bullshit going on within his family. But uh, she hasn't heard, heard his name come up specifically, and so she would like him to have her back as uh, she walks among the humans. How often do you think it's said that, uh, you know, you can call it Vasset, but it'll always be Vasetomy? <laughs> Just wanted to cement that into the show forever. Yeah, it'll be there forever. You can never unsay that, Adam. <laughs> Wish I could. 
I really do. Yeah, let's just go ahead into book two. Let's go into book two. Let's forget everything we said in book one, good and bad. I don't think we said anything good. <laughs> there weren't any there weren't any worthwhile jokes in there. We open right up on Vasset, and uh it is Spock and Pike observing the Klingon's arrival and like like a like a high school dance where there's that that turnaround in front where you get dropped off with your with your date or whatever. Many people try to, you know, like they'll get a limo or something or they'll rent a car to show up and look cool in. The Cleave ship <laughs> is the nicest rental car on the lot. It really says something about you as a driver. That's the stretch hummer of high school dance arrival vehicles. It really is. It's it's the Hummer with the jacuzzi in the back. It is yeah. a whole lot of ship, and it is too big for the compact spaces uh, in front of this summit. I really liked seeing the cleave ship. I don't feel like the, you know, we there were slow motion shots of it in disco, but I don't feel like I ever got a good look at it. Yeah. And uh, a drawing really helps me understand what it looks like. It seems to suggest that most ships in this time period are inter-atmospheric, you know? Yeah. Like, could we assume that any and all ships of this time could just hover above a city the way the Cleave ship does? Yeah, I don't know. What's uh, what's keeping it up up in the air? I don't know, because the, the tip of the Cleave isn't touching the ground. No. Pretty nice looking Cleave. I would like to see the Cleave ship next to the D because I feel like the, the Enterprise D is my baseline mm-hmm. for understanding ship sizes and I wonder is the is the cleave ship like way way bigger the D is your average I really <laughs> like uh, looking at the at the blade of the cleave ship and seeing a couple of gouges cut out of it like a yeah. like a poorly cared for chef's knife that's fun yeah those are those are control saucer sections that made those, uh-huh. those dings yeah that's fun <laughs> You don't want to cut a saucer section on a on a glass cutting board. No. Glass cutting boards are trash. No, that's not a bad cutting board. Yeah. Hey, remember those weird batleths that we were talking about in the last issue? Sure do. Not a thing in this issue, Adam. The uh the Klingons set down to meet the uh the dignitaries and uh admirals of the of the Federation. And uh, some Klingons come off. They're carrying Discovery-style batleths. Just like we knew they would. Yeah. So maybe that's like a practice batleth. Maybe they got a note after the first issue of this comic. They weren't able to change it in time. Wow. I wonder. Behind the comic. Yeah. Yeah, BTC. Lorel comes down. She's like, she's got a, she's got a great, like, diplomacy look, which is battle armor smoky eye, <laughs> hair up, like she she looks like a boss. She really does. You got to bring that smoky eye to a meeting. She she makes a very imposing presence. Her counterpart in these uh negotiations is an is an Andorian admiral named Shalik. Yeah. Uh he does not leave his quarters with a smoky eye. No, he's uh, he left with a blue everything. Yeah. He really blew himself before leaving his quarters. <laughs> You're having a weird show, Adam. <laughs> I know. Feels good. Yeah. He likes the cut of her jib though, right? Sure, I think you have to. I mean, you got to go into this summit with an open mind. You got to want to try to find some commonality between you. He's trying to be cool. Yeah. He's trying. Uh Spock is is trying as well, but I think he's kind of preoccupied with missing Michael Burnham. He's got a little bit of that imposter syndrome, I think. You know, like he's not there in an official capacity. Everyone's wearing a uniform but him. Yeah. Kind of kind of surprising that Ambassador Sarek would not be present for something like this. Yeah, where the hell is he? There doesn't seem to be anybody with the title Ambassador. It's like it's Starfleet meeting directly with the leadership of the Klingon government. If Spock was so nervous about Sarek showing up at Amanda's house, he should be doubly nervous for him showing up here. This is a, a much higher risk scenario. Yeah. Uh, Pike is just incredibly optimistic about their chances of diplomatic success here. That, like, this is a feeling in him that has not wavered whatsoever. Yeah. And 
it is in Spock's council that Pike finds him, himself, but it's Spock's council that the Rel also wants as well. And she kind of hires him to be his eyes and his ears because Laurel understands that she's in a fucking viper pit of her own creation. Like, everyone on the cleave ship hates her. She doesn't have enough babies to throw into the fire to keep them away. The people I brought with me are not really friends. She's there to do diplomacy and throw baby heads into the fire, and she's all out of baby heads. So Spock is uh, is asked to kind of both sides it. To be the John Roderick of the scenario. Yeah. If you invite John Roderick to your uh, to your diplomatic summit, you better just remember to book him for extra days on either end in your <laughs> nicest room. Extra days on both sides of the summit, yeah. would you would you say? Yeah. Um, so part of any diplomatic function is the is the kind of unstructured hang time, right? The uh, state dinner on the observation deck of the Enterprise with the uh, with the Klingons in Star Trek VI being an example. Let's everybody get drunk and cut loose together. It's the open flap time, right? The, the part of the yeah. day where you can flap that thing open, breathe easy a little bit. Let's dare Pike to eat a giant salad bowl full of gach while we chant gach at him. Sounds great, right? Like, he takes this down. There's six pounds of gach in that bowl. There really is. There's a lot of gach. He doesn't even spill any on his tunic. He's got a little dripping off his chin, but he even slurps that up. Did you notice also the Klingons? Like, the Batleths are back to Discovery looking, Mm -hmm. but a lot of the Klingons are wearing very, like, TOS movie and TNG era Klingon uniforms. Yeah, what is up with the continuity here? I don't know. It's starting to, like blur together a little bit i wonder if that blur kind of serves a purpose though like is this the moment in the show where we kind of blend the two series a little bit more maybe yeah it's like it's like star trek generations where they're kind of like the uniforms are are all over the map because they're kind of switching to ds9 uniforms over the course of the of the film tell you one thing ben i think you would do great at the gach eating contest but I think I would do very poorly just because of the amount. Like, it doesn't matter how much I like the thing. I couldn't eat this much of anything. It's too much. You've eaten a lot of food in my presence. Yeah, but geez. You and I took down a 16-piece chicken bucket. We really did. At a fried chicken place in, in Atlanta one time. That was a great feat of strength, and I'm glad that you were my partner in that battle. It was very good. <laughs> we even grossed Rob's out with that one. Rob was mortified. <laughs> He thought he was next. Uh, This happy hour is pretty jubilant. Uh, People are giving out toasts. Glasses raised all around, and uh, there's a a brief pause as as this Andorian admiral launches into a speech where Pike leans over to Spock, and he's got a case of the rumblies because he's eaten so much gach. And he says... uh, Tell Six Bay to, uh, to to get ready for this, because something coming. Would have been a great moment to prove our hypothesis of like have, having the Enterprise surreptitiously beam the gach out of his belly. Oh, that would have been great. Come on. Come on. Where's your transporter chief when you need him? Do you have to swallow your comm badge in order to do that? Like, do you need a super narrow lock on the stomach in order to do it? I wonder. No. What to know this stuff? But yeah, this is all cut short by a cocoon. <laughs> it's a it's enter cocoonma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, big explosion. Uh, core goes uh, goes down. It looks like he gets shot and maybe killed. Yeah, it doesn't look good for him because uh, the beam doesn't look like it goes through. I don't know if you would be able to tell though, because of the because of where the box cuts off. Yeah. But uh, but in walk like some some mean looking masked Klingons. They've got like black trench coats with hoods up and masks over their faces and uh, big giant guns, and they're shooting everybody. It's got to be a challenge for a Klingon, right? Like you know what you look like, and you're trying to look even tougher than that. Yeah. 
How do you do it? You just all black everything. Leather trench. Knee-high boots. Black shin guards. Big-ass guns. Yeah. Because that's it. They're not even, like, trying to rescue the Chancellor or the Admiral or anything. Like, Pike and Spock are just, like, running for their dear lives. Yeah. And trying to get an emergency beam out. Uh, they they don't even get that because the signal is getting jammed. And uh, Spock grabs Pike and, like, jumps out the window with him into the cold, snowy environs of this planet. <laughs> I guess what other choice did they have? I don't know. I think that's it. Very exciting. Yeah. These hooded Klingons identify themselves as the Shadow of Kalos. And uh, and they are very upset with Lorel's policy and leadership. Yeah, they uh, hit her in the in the chin with the butt of a rifle. We catch up with Spock, kind of fireman carrying Pike through the snow. Yeah, it's looking very rue repente out there, isn't it? it? Sure is, and it's a to be continued. Yeah, it's a little cliffhanger here. Yeah, I dig it. That's a good place to stop, Mister Warf Fire. Did you like this comic, Ben? These two comics, I should say. I did. I really liked them. Yeah, it's fun to come back to this story in progress and to know that it's somewhat canonical, right? Yeah. You know, I feel like uh, we spent plenty of time with Laurel on Kronos in season two, and some some pretty major stuff happened, but like in, a, in the course of two comic books, like huge cataclysmic shifts in the political situation with Kronos have been described that I feel like like you can kind of get through stuff like that in a comic where you have to save the big moments for yeah. the end of a TV episode or whatever. I wonder if season three of Discovery is going to give us cutting back and forth from future and present in the show storyline. Cause I'm just thinking hmm. about Laurel and I'm like, I mean, was that the last time we'll ever see her? That last episode of season two? I wonder. It's kind of a shame. They did yeah. a lot of character building with her. Yeah. Interesting character for sure. Yeah. I liked it too, Ben. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, do you want to see if we have any uh, priority one messages in the inbox? Hard to say if we'll like those or not. We'll have to read them to find out. Yeah, I suppose we will. <laughs> Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. All right, Adam, we got a couple of priority one messages here. The first one is from Sam, and it is for CBS All Access App Hostages. I'm one of those. Goes like this. I get a big kick out of your routine frustrations with the CBS All Access app. Nevertheless, I must in good conscience, in good conscience, oh, sick, mention that you can subscribe to CBS All Access through Amazon Video, which I find drives me 75% less crazy when trying to watch Trek. And then uh, there's like a an ellipsis and a carriage return. I promise I do not work for Amazon. And then another ellipsis and a carriage return. Thanks for the great work. Love the pod. Hey, that's nice. So this is a life hack for uh, enjoying CBS All Access. This person not only paid for CBS All Access, but they also paid for a Priority One message. And Amazon Prime. And Amazon Prime. Wow. Yeah. This person's paying through the nose. Check out the big wallet on Sam. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know that there are ways to set it up where I'm w- watching it through something else. And I just don't want to deal with that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm the same way. It just feels it feels like too much work. And also, I'm guaranteed a 4K version of the show the way I watch it right now. And I just don't want to down-res myself into something less than that. Oh, what's that? You watch it on Apple TV? I do. Because I still can't get it 4K on anything. Apple TV and the CBS All Access app together gives you a 4K version. And it is very beautiful. You'd think that PlayStation 4K would, they would have it. You would think. I don't have, uh, I don't have a new PlayStation, a new PlayStation. Now there's supposed to be PlayStation 5 coming out. I can't keep up. (laughs) Ben, our second priority one message is for he who avoids rhymes with. 
And it is from your cat lady. The message goes like this. Hey, I love you and know you're busy, but we've procrastinated so long that we look like weirdos competing with my cousin. They want Riker levels of consent, so take the eighth off and we're going. Also, please settle the debate. We named the cat Tilly after the cadet, but then realized she had balls. This automatically makes him a card boy, right? Oh, card boy kitty. Boy obviously spelled B-O-I Yeah, uh, in the message. I could hear it in the way you pronounced it. Card boy. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, if, if the people involved in this message are asking us, and I think they are, uh, I can co-sign the card boy. Yeah. Obviously. Card boy's got balls. Until, uh, until they decide to Bob Barker, this cat named Tilly. Yeah. Take care of business. I think that's the right move. Yeah. Co-sign that too. Well, Adam, uh, those are some great priority one messages. And uh, Priority One messages are the lifeblood of the greatest discovery. We've had a couple uh, shows recently where we didn't have any. Yeah, and now is really the time to get in there because once we spool up on the Picard show, there's going to be very sought-after message slots. You're going to want to get your message out during our very popular Picard series starting up in January. Mm. 100 for a personal, 200 for a commercial... MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. What do you think of when you think of male grooming? Maybe it's a sharp haircut and a little bit of product. Or a bit of the old beard wax twisted into the ends of a mustache. Maybe it's a shower, a shave, a little spritz of fragrance. Me? I think of shaving my nuts. And not just my nuts, all around those nuts. I'm talking all around those nuts. And this form of male grooming is hard to do when your junk looks like a log of Play-Doh rolled through a dustpan in a barber shop. It's wrinkly, it's wriggly, nothing stays in place, and it's the one area where you don't want to have an accident. That's why I'm glad we're sponsored by the spring cleaning champions at Manscaped. They sent me their brand new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It's their fifth generation trimmer featuring two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little bit off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. They also sent me an extra-large Manscaped t-shirt, which I will never wear, but it was nice of them to do. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning. In your pants. I have tried so many meal services over the years. After all, I am a podcast host. And I gotta tell you, Factor Meals is my favorite. Why? Because I can go from what am I gonna have for dinner to eating a great dinner in exactly two minutes with Factor Meals. And don't sleep on their smoothies either. I got six of these in the box this week. Mango tropical fruit, strawberry or banana. They're all amazing. They're like meal supplements I can enjoy while I'm on the go. Head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use the code trek50 to get 50% off. Again, that's the code trek50 at factormeals.com slash trek50 to get 50% off. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. 
Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you find yourself an Edward Larkin? That's a great question, Adam. I'm glad you asked it. Uh, my Edward Larkin for this issue of uh, these two issues of Star Trek Discovery Aftermath is a very wharf looking Klingon that shows up in the gach eating uh, scene and like slaps his hands around Pike's shoulder, complimenting him on the prowess of his of his warrior stomach. Mm. Uh, I just, this guy, like the two drawings of this guy really made me laugh. It makes me sad that he's probably dead like three <laughs> panels later. Yeah. RSVP that guy. He fully looks like Worf when Worf puts on Klingon armor, you know? Yeah. yeah. He's got the, he's got the volume. He's got the beard. He's got everything. Well, they don't all look alike, Ben. So I, I think you should be careful. I'm just saying he doesn't have the like kind of samurai hair that that Kor has. Yeah. Doesn't have the smoky eye that Laurel has. He looks like Worf. Yeah, it's true. He's in the he's in the Worf tradition. He is. He's got Worf face. Adam, did you have an Edward Larkin? I feel like to give it to Pike would be too easy, though he clearly is the Edward Larkin of these two issues. However, uh like you, I'm going to choose a background actor for my Edward Larkin. And there are a couple. I feel like you really have a lot of latitude to draw your background characters in a comic book. And there are two yeah. instances where a few of them really stick out to me for facial expression issues. Uh, in the second issue, that person is at a bridge station while number one is in the captain's chair. And she's just smiling like a fucking fool, like over nothing. <laughs> like... Like making a an incongruent face is what she's doing. That's pink skin, purple hair lady. Yeah, and then uh, and then in the first issue, there's someone she just loves her job, Adam. There's someone over Pike's shoulders doing the same thing, like big goofy ass grin. <laughs> Why is it all grins and giggles on the on the bridge of the Enterprise? It's really nice to work in Starfleet doing something you love for a living, Adam. It's kind of like uh, podcasting about Star Trek in, <laughs> in a lot of ways. Uh huh. Sometimes sometimes you're you're at work and you just think about what you're doing and it makes you smile. Yeah, that happens for people. That's a good <laughs> thing to remember. Thanks, Ben. It's a good way to be. Uh the very next episode of this fine program is going to be in two weeks and it's gonna be about the next short treks episode. It's called Ask Not. We have not seen a trailer for it. Hard to know what it's going to be about, but that... It's crazy to make a trailer for a 10 to 15 minute thing though, right? I agree. Yeah. So that'll be a fun surprise in store for us and you a couple weeks from today. So stick around for that. Can't wait. We'll let Rob's take it from here. Rob's is a person who's always smiling while he's working. He loves yeah. it. Except for when he's editing out all the interminable bullshit of this program. <laughs> He's he's the real hero of the show. Sure is. It goes it goes P one message purchasers one, Rob's two, seven hundred is me and six hundred and ninety nine is you. Oh, that was very kind of you to put me a notch above you there. <laughs> How uh, charitable, Adam. Fine, five ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Take it away, Rob. The Greatest Discovery is a Maximum Fun podcast, hosted by Benjamin Harrison and Adam Pranica. It's produced by me, Rob Schulte. Our theme music is by Friend of DeSoto and YouTube sensation Adam Ragusia. The Greatest Discovery is made possible by the support of our listeners like you. Make sure the show continues by going to MaximumFun.org donate. If you'd like to discuss the show online, please use the hashtag GreatestDiscovery. You can find Ben on Twitter at BenjaminAHR, Adam is at CutForTime, and I'm at Rob K. Schulte. Thanks, we'll see you on the next episode of The Greatest Discovery. 
MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.